Turn your Bibles to Micah chapter 5. The old prophet Micah from the Old Testament, Micah chapter 5. This morning I want us to think about the little town of Bethlehem. Micah 5.1 Now gather yourself in troops, O daughter of troops. He has laid siege against us. They will strike the judge of Israel with a rod on the cheek. Now, to kind of give you a little background into uh, this time period, Micah, the prophet, prophesied during very troubled times in the nation of Israel, a time when false prophets and idolatry ran rapid throughout the country. It was also a time when Israel's enemy, the Assyrians, we're gathering to wage an attack. It was a time when the wealthy exploited the poor and when despair and hope, hopelessness, were on the brink. Then we see verse 2. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, Though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. Therefore he shall give them up until the time that she who is in labor has given birth. Then the remnant of his brethren shall return to the children of Israel, and he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall abide. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and this one shall be peace. In the midst of all this trouble and fear, Micah offers hope to a people on the brink. Hope to his friends and family in the nation of Israel. For God has prophesied. God has promised a Messiah to deliver his people. I want to pause right there. We talk about hope. What did the doctor give the gingerbread man when he broke his leg? See, y'all almost for, you know, I thought I almost forgot the jokes, didn't you? What did the doctor give the gingerbread man when he broke his leg? A candy cane to help him walk. What did Mrs. Claus tell Santa when she looked out the window? She says, uh-oh, looks like rain, dear. Now this one's going to slay you, really. Why are Christmas trees horrible at knitting? They constantly drop their needles. Now, you know you're going to repeat these. Amen. Let's get back to the hope that we have. This morning, I want us to focus on Jesus' first coming. You see that the, the, the first uh, verses uh, 2 and 3, they speak of Jesus' first coming. When he took on human flesh, when he took on humanity in Bethlehem, the rest of the chapter actually speaks of his second coming. 
Now, I want to focus on that first coming, and more specifically, where he would enter our humanity. In verse 2, it says, But you, Bethlehem, a little town of Bethlehem. It was originally a, a poem written by Phillips Brooks, but thankfully, it was set to music and has become one of the most beloved Christmas carols of all time. That great line, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee, in Jesus Christ, tonight. Amen? Now, this Christmas morning, I want us to consider a few things about this blessed little town of Bethlehem. First thing I want us to see is in that little town of Bethlehem, it was the birthplace of Messiah. But you, Bethlehem Ephrata, though you are little among the thousands of Judah. Let's consider some facts, some, some actual history about this little town of Bethlehem. Bethlehem is located about five miles south of Jerusalem. Today, it's part of what's known as the West Bank and is actually under Palestinian control. Bethlehem is under Palestinian control today. The name Bethlehem is derived from two Hebrew words. The first word is biet, which means house, and lechem, which means bread or manna. Put them together, biet lechem, or Bethlehem, literally means house of bread. No coincidences in the word of God, amen? Out of this little town would come forth the bread of life. The name Bethlehem is prophetic in and of itself. John chapter 6, Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is life, is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to Jesus, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me, I will no, uh, and I will by no means cast him out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Bethlehem truly is the house of bread. Bethlehem is first mentioned in Genesis chapter 35. In Genesis chapter 35, we, we read the account of Rachel's death. And Bethlehem there in that passage in, in chapter 35 is called a place of sorrows. Rachel passes away while giving birth to her son, Ben-Onai. Ben-Onai means son of my sorrows. This is also significant when we consider Jesus Christ, as he is also called 
a man of sorrows. The great chapter of Isaiah 53. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Jesus, the man of sorrows. Bethlehem is also where one of the greatest love stories in all of Scripture has taken place. Bethlehem is where Ruth fell in love with Boaz. Boaz, as her kinsman redeemer, is symbolic of Jesus Christ. Their love story illustrates the love that Jesus has for you and I, his bride, the church. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 and 26, it says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church, and he gave himself his life for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Bethlehem is also where young David was anointed king over Israel. Now, we think of David. We just talked about that great love story between Boaz and Ruth. Boaz is the great-grandfather of David. Boaz had a son named Obed. Obed had a son named Jesse, and Jesse just happens to be the father of David. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, in verse 4, So Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem. Skip down to verse 10. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, Are all of the young men here? Then Jesse said, There remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. Now David was ruddy, with bright eyes, and good-looking. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him for this is the one. David was just a young lad when he was anointed king over Israel. Many years later, as a grown man, as king, listen to what he said in 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 15. And David said with longing, Oh, that someone would give me a drink of the water from the well of Bethlehem. How David longed to drink of the water from that well. The well of Bethlehem is symbolic of Jesus Christ. We see this illustrated in in John chapter 4. Jesus answered and and said to to the lady at the well, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to Jesus, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up 
into everlasting life. We think today, how many thirst? How many search this world over from one end to the other to quench that thirst? But they're still left empty, unfulfilled, and unsatisfied. We say, why? Well, it's simple. Because only Jesus Christ can provide the living water that our soul craves. That our soul desires. That our soul needs. Amen. Second thing I want us to see is the one born in that little town of Bethlehem will also rule over all. Going back to Micah chapter 5 verse 2. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel. Now I want to clarify This verse is not saying that Jesus' reign will be limited to Israel, limited to Jerusalem. This verse is actually very prophetic. It's, It's referring to the millennial reign of Christ, the time when he will sit down on the throne of David in Jerusalem, and he will actually rule over the entire world. Amen? 2 Samuel chapter 7. Starting at verse 12. This is the covenant that God makes with David. He said, when your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you, who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name. Listen to this last part. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Amen? Who did we say came from the line of David? Messiah himself. Amen? Messiah himself came through David's bloodline, and God establishes his throne forever. Isaiah chapter 9 is probably the most um, overlooked, most neglected Christmas verse in all of Scripture. Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice, from that time forward, even forever. How long is forever? Forever. Amen. Unto us a child is born. That's speaking of his humanity. Jesus was as much man as he was God. He was as much God as he was man. He didn't come into existence at Bethlehem. He just simply took on human flesh. Unto us a son is given. That's talking about his deity. He is the son of God, but he is also God the son. Amen? And it says the government 
upon his shoulder, there will be no end. In this world, it's full of hatred, full of violence, full of innocent bloodshed. I don't know about you, but to me, there's not a more comforting thought than that of Jesus Christ sitting upon his throne, the throne of David in the city of Jerusalem, ruling over all of mankind, ruling over all the world as the prince of peace. Amen. Last thing I want us to see this morning in, in Micah chapter 5 is that in this little town of Bethlehem, we see God in the flesh. The one in verse 2, the one to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth are from of old, from everlasting. I've been stressing that fact that Jesus didn't come into existence in Bethlehem. He just took on human flesh. Amen. He never gave up being God. He just left his glory in heaven. He took on the restrictions of humanity. But he has always existed and always will. He is the one with no beginning, the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. He is Almighty God. And it was in that little town of Bethlehem that Almighty God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, humbled himself, took on the limitations of humanity to enter into our suffering. To meet us in our needs. To meet us in our sins. To meet us when we were at the worst. So that he could die in our place. To redeem us back to himself. Colossians chapter 1. Verse 16. For by him, for by Jesus Christ, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. Preeminence simply means first place. Jesus has earned preeminence in our lives. He has earned first place in everything that we do. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. And by him, listen, to reconcile all things to himself. By him, whether things on the earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross, and you who were once alienated in enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in 
his sight. What a glorious Savior. What a wonderful Christmas hymn, O little town of Bethlehem, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. Merry Christmas.